0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another session, another podcast on the series Inspiring Educators. Today we have Dr. Chandra Shekhar, who is from Jain Group of Institutions. You know, while studying his profile, while studying the background, I found some very interesting things. And one thing that really caught my eye was his, you know, his work on something called alignment with the vision. This and many more things, we'll be discussing that. But first, let's welcome Dr. Chandra to the podcast session. Dr. Chandra, welcome to the session. Thank you, Mr. Rishabh. It's a pleasure being on your platform. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, uh, Chandra, as I was discussing with you, right, that what we're doing here is we are trying to create the next generation of teachers, then the next million teachers is the first vision and then, then the next five million teachers. And one thing that I always get to know from the next generations is we would love to know about those education leaders who have really made it big and who have strived hard to reach there. So we'd love to know your story. How did you start? How did you decide to be in the education space? Was it by chance? Was it Was it by choice? And majorly the background of your story. So how did you start?
1: Well, uh, like majority of educators in India, I started off by chance, if I have to answer it by uh, you know, one word, it's by chance, because uh, I never had any plans to get into education sector per se. So I was finishing my graduation in business management and I was focusing on my higher education and then getting into corporates and all that. But then long story short, came into education because I was working during my graduation at the Jain College in Bangalore as an intern. So I was interning with the chairperson there and uh, somehow things led to one another and i was very excited and interested in event management so i was busy with uh, organizing uh, corporate shows and quizzes and other things basically to promote the colleges and the institutions and all that so that led me to set up a university at raipur Chhattisgarh, and that's when the chairman said that why don't you run a series of events and promote or launch the university there at RIPO. That's how I actually entered uh, education in 2003. But that was the only chance factor in my life because in six months from there, I made a conscious decision that I'm going to be in education and I'm going to be here forever. And that's how I stayed put in education sector. And now it's 20th year and
0: I'm glad that I made that choice and decision then. Superb, superb. So what excites you about, you know, what excites you excites you about education on an everyday basis? I know there's there would be so many things that, that have kept you excited over the years. But what excites you today on an everyday basis when you get up, what's that one thing which is like that constant motivation that, okay, let me go ahead and do this today?
1: Well, I think uh, it's, it's a combination of two factors for me. One is the autonomy and the liberty to kind of... Uh, play with your ideas and thoughts for collective good of people so that is one side of the story which kind of excites me the other one is my team and my team includes my uh, immediate uh, team members who i work in very closely plus of course the larger team of more than 500 people who i'm involved with across different parts of the country the the common uh, point of Let's do something meaningful for the benefit of the future generation. So we are all having that great opportunity to mold the character and the culture for the students. And I think that is exciting. So both these factors together make it an exciting journey.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And I I know that you've not just, uh, you know, uh, kept this energy alive for doing things the way they have always been done, but you've also experimented a lot. So one thing that I read was you created something called a whole brain school. What was that initiative? If you could share more about that and where did it get get inspired from?
1: Well, the inspiration started when I actually went on a uh, study tour to South Africa, Johannesburg. Uh, It was an international creativity conference, which was uh, conducted by Dr. Kubus Neatling and I was part of that uh, conference and that the insights I learned at the conference after glis- listening to a lot of people, scientists and research people, some educators, some leaders, I thought that, you know, as, as we say, right, whatever you do, you try to bring it back to your workplace. Yeah. Wherever uh, you go, you try to connect the cord back to where you come from. So I thought, okay, this is all great stuff as far as I am concerned, but how can I take it to the younger generation? That's when I had a detailed discussion with Dr. Kubus at South Africa and he's a guy who works with the Who's Who of South Africa, right? He trains athletes on brain rewiring and all that, so I thought if we can do something for the children, that's where the thought of creating a school on this philosophy came in and then uh, one thing led to another and we came up with uh, building this entire thing in the school in Hyderabad at Kondaport. And that's how we became the country's first whole brain school. Now, for people who want to understand what is a whole brain school, in a layman term, it is simple as a class of 25 people have different intelligences. We know multiple intelligences. But from the teacher's perspective, how can I categorize them? Now, categorizing them on different multiple intelligences is a granular level but when you do a lesson plan you need to cater to a macro level so uh, we have divided this through the whole brain model into four domains initially which is your left one left two right one right two and then further divided them into another four domains totally eight domains and you have four on the left side and four on the right side which kind of brings together the whole thing what helps the teacher here is he or she can prepare the lesson plan catering to L1 to L4 and R1 to R4 that way the teacher and the learner are in sync rather than catering to only one side of the brain dominant so this right. is in a very common language so that's what led to the creation of a whole brain school
0: beautiful so I what I hear is that the differentiation is not being done on content Curriculum and pedagogy. The differentiation is actually being done on the learner's level, and yes. that really directly impacts their learning. Uh, you know, learning outcomes, and it can be seen in their life. and beautiful. Would love to visit the school sometime and see how it is really implemented uh, in the Most classroom.
1: Most <laughs> in fact, so, my academic director went on to do a research. She was so inspired that she went on to do a research, and she has a PhD, uh, oh. Doctor of Philosophy, in the whole
0: brain methodology. Wonderful wonderful would love to discuss more about her as well later right uh, but, but you know when we are in a school system we are in an education system where even motivating team members to do what is the minimum Bible based basic viable becomes so difficult sometimes you're talking about bringing in innovation you're talking, talking about bringing in new ideas how do you keep your team's focus aligned to it because you know I know of hundreds and thousands in fact hundreds of thousands of schools, who struggle in even keeping their teachers motivated to do what is required at a granular level, at a basic level. And you're saying we will bring, we'll go to South Africa, we'll learn a new concept and we'll make a new school on that. And we'll bring, bring build the team and we'll run the school. So how do you do that? What's, what's, the, what's the framework that you're using here? Well, I think uh, I kind of
1: disagree with the concept of motivating the teachers. Right. The reason is, As a leader, whoever it is, whether you're a principal or a headmaster or even a HOD, if you're in a leadership position, the way I look at it is you're a problem solver or you are a person who's ready to serve your people, right? Now, if you operate from that mindset, what happens is you're always looking for helping people around you, no matter who they are, where they are, in making their job easier for them. So if I'm a teacher and uh, my job is to teach in a particular class, as a leader, the leader's job is to ensure that my job is smoother and safer and faster and efficient, right? Now, if you come with that mindset, then you continue to keep solving the problem. It's like, you know, metaphorically put, you're laying the red carpet. Now you will be taking care of the surface beneath the red carpet, it is flat you're going to roll it down, you're going to clean the red carpet, you make sure that nobody will trip and fall. If you are facilitating to that level, people will automatically deem it a proud moment to walk on the red carpet, isn't it? Right. So that is the nature with which we need to operate in any organization and more so in a school because your emotions run very high on a daily basis because there are children, there are different people and a lot of emotions are at stake. Now if you operate at this level, now coming back to the question of Why do I have to motivate? Because when I make it very conducive for them, the motivation is already there because they are there to do their job and they will do it. Now, talk about innovation. When they are doing the job in a more effective manner, human nature always wants to strive for a better way to do it. Absolutely. That is the human nature of it. Now, when they are already doing something, the question comes to their mind sooner than later is what next? How can I do it better? that space is the innovative space. That is where they innovate. So basically organizations cannot innovate. You have to facilitate innovation and people will
0: innovate. Wonderful. And I think that's a wonderful framework that you've shared right there, which can not just be used by teachers, but uh, education leaders globally, that it's not about uh, the the leader of the organization thinking about an idea and asking everybody to implement it. It's about the leader of the organization creating a a space where people want to innovate and then innovation becomes a habit, then more of an action which happens once in a year. Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing that you shared. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things that I also read was that you built something called JGI way, which is aligning everybody to the vision of what the organization wants. So, What was that? What's the JGI way? And how do you really implement that?
1: Well, before I go forward, I want to, first of all, congratulate you. The way you paraphrase paraphrase my answers for the benefit of the viewers. I mean, nobody can do a better job than you. So, fantastic. Uh, When I'm hearing, I'm feeling that, okay, did I say so much? The way you have conceptualized it and you have put, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, coming to the JGI way, so from the very world go at JGI. We started off in 1990. Our chairman, Dr. Roy Chenraj, founded the organization with 36 students and six teachers in Bangalore. Today, we are a conglomerate of 89 institutions with three universities. And on an average annual enrollment number is around 65,000 students on an annual basis. So that's the way we have grown in the last 30 odd years. Now, if I look at the cornerstone of this growth the foundation there are five things and that five things is what we call as the philosophy behind the growth of the institution and we have an acronym to remember and also to institutionalize that philosophy and that is pitch p-i-t-c-h okay now if i have to elaborate on pitch p is for personal touch one example i'll give you In 1999, we had 4,600 students in one of my college in Bangalore, where I also used to study. Mm -hmm. My chairperson, uh, who could remember the names of all the 4,600 students and call them by their name from the morning assembly area. So that's the personal touch, I'm just giving you an example, so that is one. Second is I, which is involvement of parents, no matter wherever the student is, whether he is in a college or a school or a kindergarten, parents involvement is critical for the success of the educational model. So we deem our parents as partners in the progress of the students. Parents are not our customers or clients. They are our partners. That is the philosophy we have. Then T, T is traditions and values. Today, technology is already there and tomorrow, technology is only going to become better and more efficient. But what is eternal is values and the traditions. Now that is where we become different than any other country in the world, whether it is US or Europe or Australia or anyone. They look up to India for the spiritual capital. So right. traditions and values are integrated and well uh, you know, uh, aligned to the whole way of doing things. So that is the third one. C is the crux of the whole thing, which is child-centric curriculum. We, if we have any doubts, why do we run a college, why do we run a school, why do we run a university? It's not for money, it's not for fame, it's not for popularity, or it's not for a business or survival. It is because there is a student who needs education and that's why we exist. Which means, child-centric curriculum is absolutely important and center of our operations. So that is C. Last, but not the least, is H, which is holistic development no more nobody or no time better than today identifies and underlines the fact that you don't need to be academically ahead and you can lag behind in anything because today people are exploring careers in even sports management people are exploring careers in you know putting a restaurant or a cloud kitchen and they are making more money than maybe even a manager from an mba background so the point here is holistically public speaking communication skills, the ability to emotionally empathize with others all right. these things are important. So coming together, P-I-T-C-H becomes the philosophy and that is the JGI way of aligning everybody to the overall organization vision of transforming potentiality into reality. Wow, That's it.
0: Wow. And this actually kind of, you know, connects this conversation that I had with somebody at cbsc uh, two months ago two, three months ago maybe where they mentioned that Jain Group is also starting a sports integrated school which is specifically for holistic development of students who want to start with within sports. I don't know if it's out in public or not. I shouldn't be saying that in podcast but... No, no, no. no.
1: Absolutely. You can share because we already have a pilot school of running in Bangalore with 400 students. We call oh. it the sports school and C B S C is right because we have actually developed a curriculum for sports where in a normal school the academics is around 4 5 hours and then 1 hour or 45 minutes of sports but in the sports school 5 hours of sports and 3 hours of academics and it's a boarding
0: that's the model we have built so i think i uh, whom i met was dr lakshmi uh, 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 who is uh, who mentioned that at uh, you know and uh, again, very inspirational person, well, you know, again, had a very good discussion with her. But coming back to uh, Jen Group and your work today, uh, you know, so having that vision, pitch, I think I'm going to pitch the pitch to many people uh, going forward. But what one thing I still want to understand is how do you manage the challenges? Because the challenges are continuously evolving. I think the challenges that... Uh, we all in education community faced three years ago, you know, with what we call as pre-COVID and now during COVID and then post-COVID. The three years, the challenges that schools have faced are entirely different, right? Uh, how are you managing that and what's the major difference that you see in the challenges that you have seen and how you're managing them?
1: Well, I think, uh, see, challenges, as you rightly put it, they are continuously evolving and they're perennial. They're never going to end. I mean, nobody can sit and claim that today I have completed all my uh, challenges and that there are no more issues to solve. It's never going to happen. Right. But what is true is we being ready to face any challenges. Mm-hmm. Now, getting ready is where we lose a lot of time. Staying ready and getting ready may sound very simple, but there is a world of difference between staying ready and getting ready. Right. You cannot, you cannot at any given point of time, wait for the issue to blow up in your face and then you will say what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. But the best way to do that is always stay grounded, listen to feedback, look at what is happening and let me tell you, leadership or Education is more of a common sense approach than any kind of a qualification. I have always understood that. For example, let me give you an example. Yesterday, with great pomp and show, we opened schools in Telangana. Right? Now, the minute we opened, some of our schools started getting feedback that parents are not ready to send the children because of the heat wave going. Mm -hmm. Now, COVID wave is over. The heat wave is on. Yeah. Okay. And to make, to make matters worse, the government officials started giving a GEO, the government order by late afternoon, which says that, you know, the schools should be forced to run half a day for the next one week. Okay. Okay. Now, if you look at logic, we cannot run a half a day school when the heat wave is going on, because that means by 12.30, you have to put the child in the bus, which is the peak of the heat. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the child is better off staying inside the school till yep. 4 o'clock than going out in the sun at 12 o'clock. Absolutely. Okay, so now what we did, we spoke to the parents. We got the government order, we spoke to the parents. said, Okay, the school is officially running only half a day, but the child is going to be in the school till 3 o'clock. Are you okay with it? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. parents said yes. So now we are managing the government saying we are running half a day school but on voluntary basis, the children are staying back. We can't push the child out. So the child is going to continue to be be there till 3 o'clock. I'm just giving you a simple example as to how challenges keep coming up. Absolutely. But you need to stay ready to handle them. And again, teamwork, common sense, presence of mind, and collaboration becomes important. Now, if I tell this to my parent and my parents say, no, no, you follow the order blindly, then this whole approach of solving the problem will go to me
0: i think i think what you mentioned also lies somewhere in the trust that you develop with all the stakeholders right absolutely uh, you know the parents and the teachers would collaborate only when they see that uh, the common sense that the management is using or the leadership is using is for everybody's benefit is not for the management's benefit and that that trust has to be developed over time it cannot it's not a one day or a one action uh, you know uh, what do you say, work, it has to be a gradual development of that structure. And I think that's that's what I see when you're talking. And I think what you have done beautifully is you've taken a proactive approach to build the trust instead of being reactive whenever problems come. And then really, uh, you, you stand strong when the problems come, because then it's all about working together and solving it, then managing all the stakeholders and first convincing them, guys, we should be doing this because and that work has been done and the fire was not there. The moment the fire came, everybody started working on just, you know, getting the fire off, so very beautiful. Very, very beautiful. Now, You know, another thing that I would love to have your perspective on is, uh, you know, the quality of teachers. And I know that Gen Group has been working on quality of teachers for the longest time possible. I'm talking more from a global, uh, you know, perspective, uh, almost everybody, all every government around the world is struggling with, uh, you know, shortage of quality teachers, skill teacher shortages, something that everybody's talking about. It's not a teacher shortage, there are enough teachers available, it's a skilled teacher shortage that which is a bigger problem. United Nations World Bank reports, they say that uh, currently there are around 70 million teachers globally, but the way teachers are retiring. You know, and the way new newer generations are not coming towards teaching, there's a need of additional 70 million teachers in the next five to seven years, and nowhere in the world uh, we have a, a you know a, a what do you say an initiative, a university which can create those kind of numbers how do you handle that you know what what do you do to attract the right teachers towards your school that it's going to be a two-part question so this is the first part what do you do to attract the right teachers and then keep them motivated and not just motivated in terms of being motivated to, to do the work but motivated to move ahead in life and second part would be if you had to say give a message to Uh, you know the next generations about the teaching career in fact if you had to pitch the teaching career to them what would you say that they get attracted towards the teaching career so two-part question you can use them both together you can answer them separately
1: well I think uh, interesting perspective there I really appreciate the question I will take it separately because they require separate treatment now to the first part of your question as to what do we do to retain and to uh, attract good quality talent. Well, I think, uh, to be very frank, at this point in time, the answer to this lies in retention. Yeah. Uh, because we're coming out of the COVID wave. And if I go back two years, uh, March 2020, things were totally different. People had no clue as to what's going to unfold. And people wanted to take one day at a time. But there was a very important decision to be made as to what do we do with your bench strength? What are you going to do with your staff? Because this is not their fault. This is not anybody's fault, but at the end of the day, it is kind of dawn on us like an eclipse. Now, how are we going to handle this? So the message, at least in Jane group was very clear. In fact, I even made a video for the larger interest of the community to the management of educators is do not think of cutting costs by laying off people. Because that's not their fault, or that's not the way to do it. Because we do not have to do that. So coming back to JGI, we did not lay off anyone. Not only that, we continue to pay them what is their due over a period of two years, okay? Now, you said a while ago, building trust. You said a while ago, collaborating with people. Those things cannot be just lip service. It has to be on ground. You need to work on, of course we had an open discussion that we cannot afford to pay you whatever is your salary at 100 percent but we will be reducing it for now to see how the uncertain future is going to get more certain and then we are going to kind of increase the bandwidth so that you don't lose anything mm-hmm. plus we also even after the second wave was over and then school started opening we made a very conscious call that we are not going to call the teachers back to the school mm-hmm. because Everybody we're talking about, what do we do with children? How do we protect the children? Well, that is important. What is equally important is how do you protect your teachers? Wow. Wow. How do you protect your teachers? Because you can't say teachers are robots. They are available in the classroom. Children can come and go according to their, like people started saying, call them odd and even days, call them morning and afternoon. All that is fine. But what is a fixed part of this entire transaction is my teacher. So how right, am I right. going to protect? So we said, nothing doing, we're going to keep it online. We're going to keep it uh, as it is. And we are not going to open the schools. In fact, we are one of, one of the only schools in Hyderabad who did not open the school even after government told us or gave us the permission to open physical classes in September last year. Our school started only yesterday, which means till then we continue to, this was a benefit for the teachers because one, they never had to incur their expenses on transport on their food because my canton is not working, my transport is not there. If I ask my teachers to come, I'm indirectly telling them to pay for it from their pocket. So we cannot do that. So right. these are things. So the answer to this part is, if you take care of them, they will take care of you. Which means it solves the problem of attracting more and more people because you are already retaining people. Right. Right. Okay. that is first part. Second, how do I attract? You attract by retaining again because This culture is not in isolation. People around are looking at you, talking about you, and also trying to know about what is happening inside your school. And my teachers are my ambassadors. My teachers will go and tell that this is what is happening in our life. And any teacher with a good mind will want to be a part of this culture because this is the best culture available in the market. Right. Right. That's where attracting talent works. And that's how it has worked for us. Now coming to the second part of your question, how, what is the message or how do I pitch the teaching profession? Well, I think today, if I have to really do a pitch to the potential candidates there to take up teaching as a job, I will only give it as one line message. If it is to be, it is up to me. Gandhiji said, be the change you want to see around in the world. Right. But if you want to be the change, it is up to you. Okay. All of us, you look—you take anybody who is the, above the age of 30, we all have regrets. We all have regrets. We want something better to, could have happened in our life. Somebody would have told us this is the way to go about life or to invest or to read or to learn or to enjoy, whatever it is. Now, will you just take that to your grave with you as regret? or will use the remaining part of your life to do some change so that others don't have to regret. That is where I say if it is to be it is up to me. You can be anything. You can still be a teacher. You don't need a BA to be a teacher. That is a wrong conception. Even a vegetable vendor, can become a great teacher to handle finances supply chain management uh, you know understanding common sense of which product to be put forward which vegetable will sell in which day all these things can be so he qualifies or she qualifies to be a teacher so that is my message to anybody who wants to consider teaching or who does not want to consider teaching
0: beautiful beautiful so you know everybody has a domain ex- expertise how they want to transfer it to the wider community is when they actually decide to become a teacher and uh, beautiful. And in fact, I think if even the next generations look at it more from a perspective of what they seek today, right? I think the next generations are not somebody who are looking for infinite amount of money, they want a balanced life, a holistic life, they want a challenging job, where something can keep them up on their toes, right? Keep Get, you know, every morning when they get up, they know that they have to solve something and teaching offers all of the, these things, right? It gives Absolutely.
1: you... If I have to add, the generation now, you call them generation Z or <laughs> generation Y, whatever you want to call them, they want knowledge. I mean, let, just look around, right? Your YouTube, your WhatsApp is a potential university today. You want anything, you go to YouTube and you learn, which means there is the thirst for learning already there. And YouTube also gives you the answer for how to teach because right. today, all those people with so many subscribers and so pop, so many popular uh, channels, they tell you that if you can capture the attention, give them in bite-sized chunks and keep it interesting and engaging, you're a great teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where the answer lies.
0: No, that, that's, that's beautiful. Now, so you told me that, you know, you retain the right people and you have the right framework where people love to work. But then when you are hiring somebody, you're hiring a teacher, for example, for your institutions, what are the top qualities that are non-negotiable for Dr. Chandra? I'm sure there are many more for Jan group, but I want to know from Dr. Chandra's perspective, that if you were the sole person responsible to hire a person for any of the roles, what would be the non-negotiables for you? Well, it's interesting you asked me that because
1: uh, I am the most unpopular person to be on the HR <laughs> panel when I have to interview some of the teachers. Because I don't ask them a single question on their subject knowledge or their experience or their qualification, which is actually a problem for my principals and my other leaders. They say, sir, you, if you are there in the room, the candidate is not going to join Because my problem is, I ask them three to five questions, basically pouring around domains of principles and values. Okay, commitment and consistency. Okay, and then third one is, the ability to solve problems without anybody. Right. Okay, because as you rightly said at the beginning, challenges and issues will keep popping up. It may be small, it may be big, it may be large. But at the end of the day you need to have the confidence to solve it without anybody around if somebody is there it's well and good but you can't depend on somebody to come and do your work
0: right
1: so i create these hypothetical situations and keep throwing at them in the interview saying that what will you do this is not there that is not there how will you do you don't have electricity you don't have a green board in the classroom you don't have chalk piece the lift doesn't work how are you going to continue your classes will you sit in your staff room and complain to the principal that these are not working so i can't handle my class or will you still go ahead and complete the class if you say yes how will you do it So, people get confused. In an international school, he's asking about no electricity, no lift working, no chalk piece. What is he talking? I say, I don't care. You tell me, how are you going to do your job?
0: Right. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, what I again what is values. How well are they connected to their values? Uh, do they have problem solving? Can they be depended upon and are there somebody, and- somebody who can take responsibility? So I think these are the four things that I got out of that. Did I miss anything? No, I think I got it. Absolutely, you got it, yeah. So beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. Uh, I think I I really enjoyed my discussion with you. Would, would you like to give any message to the current teachers, future teachers, anything that you would like to say to them? I'm sure they would love to uh, hear well, something from you.
1: Well, I, I don't think I have anything to say because at the end of the day, I am a learner. I keep learning. After 20 years, I'm still Believing that I I have not scratched the surface yet, there is still so much to do in a country like India, there is so much to do in education. I don't think I have any message for them, but I'll just have one word or one line to say that, you know, let's make this count. We are here by choice or by chance in in this sector called education. Let us make this count because at the end of the day, that's all we can do and we can hope for. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Chandra. Guys, I think we've had a wonderful discussion and it's not just we teachers today, but all the future generations who who are going to get inspired by this podcast, by this episode of the podcast. Uh, So much to take away, so much to learn from these last 30 minutes that we have spent with Chandra today. And I think the impact that this particular episode can create is going to percolate right in the classroom to the classroom level as well. So, once again, I would like to thank you, Dr. Chandra. Uh, all thank the you. listeners, I'll see you again in the next episode. Till then, see you. Bye bye.